The Athletic. Starcast, the German football pod brought to you by The Athletic. In today's episode, we go deep into Bayern v Dortmund, one of the big two's more classic encounters in recent years, a Lewandowski-Haaland shootout with some refereeing controversy to boot. There's also time to look at the storm-engulfing Marco Rosa at Gladbach, praise Hoffenheim again and wonder whether RB Leipzig have what it takes to topple in crisis Liverpool on Wednesday night. All of this and more in Starcast. Hello dear listener, hello Christoph Biermann and hello Jasmine Baba, our very special guest today. Before we get going, a quick reminder that all the wonderful content on The Athletic is available for just £3.99 a month for six months right now. Go to theathletic.com slash starcastpod to subscribe. Right, uh, Christoph and Jasmine, thank you so much for being on the pod. Jasmine, our special guest today. There's only one game to start with and that is of course Union against Bielefeld. Well, no, we'll do that later. We'll do that later. Um, first Bayern against Dortmund. I think the first thing to say here is that was fun. Fun watching this game. Not a 6-0, not a 5-0, not a 4-0. Very even contest at least in terms of the result until the 80th minute or so. And it got me thinking Christoph. We sometimes say in jest, but maybe giving opponents a two-goal head start is the way forward to have a bit more competitiveness <laughs> in the Bundesliga. I, I, yeah, I think it's a it's a new, entertaining, and also cruel at the same time, Bayern, because we, we we've seen it so often uh, during the season. So it was their thirteenth time where they were at least one nil down. Now they they going for the two nil down already against Bielefeld. Now again against uh, Bayern, but it's it's still it's a bit still cat and mouse. So at the end the mouse is winning and the um, and the uh, the the uh, mouse is defeated. And so the cat is um, winning. Oh, the cat is winning. Of course, sorry, sorry to uh, confuse that. Now the cat is winning, and the cruel Bayern cat is. Uh, so they they pretend to to create some suspense during this season but in the end uh, the cat will lift the trophy <laughs> yeah <laughs> cat and mouse it's, it's basically Tom and Jerry in reverse is what you're trying yeah. to say yeah yeah um, Jasmine from a tactical point of view I, I saw that you wrote a tactical prediction um, you said that Bayern would suffer on the counter-attack but that it would come back and ultimately win it how happy do you feel with your prediction and more importantly perhaps was this a game that could ultimately be explained in tactical terms or was it really as Christopher's hinting a bit of an uneven contest with Bayern always going to be the more likely winner? I think there's both elements of it we can predict tactics all day long but at the end of the day there are games which completely go against statistical and tactical analysis and it's happened plenty of times I mean I think there's another match this weekend that went against normal logic but with the quality Bayern have I think it was always going to be that way I mean I think it was I've got everything the only thing that I had gotten wrong was how Dortmund was going to set up um, I didn't think that they would go with a back five, which actually made sense if with them on the counter in the end. But as I said, 
it was all buy-in. They let them have this 2-0 lead. Maybe I always thought Dortmund was going to be lead early. They had um, a similar kind of threat like they did against Minchin Gladbach and we all saw how that ended up. Um, another chaotic, fun game. But it was almost too predictable for me this time round. Dortmund have that quality that they didn't have and I mean world-class, top-of-the-range quality in Erling Haaland and Jadon Sancho, which they, although have been close to in the past, haven't had the same sort of quality, which I think kind of evened that the tactical analysis a bit out or made just kind of fine-tuned it to more narrative. But Lewandowski is the best player in the world right now, and it doesn't matter what you can do against buy-in. It seems like it always goes their way. Dortmund also have to manage workload. Terzic, bless him, is kind of out of his depth managing here. And he's probably, in that way, he's probably had nothing to lose, which went Dortmund's way. But as I said, you can't compete with that buy-in quality on all levels. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought Dortmund did did probably as well as they could have done, both on a tactical sense as well as individual. I mean, you have the same issue that we had in the first time they met. Do you remember the 3-2 defeat when there the big mismatch was Gnabry against uh, Meunier? Now the big mismatch was Coman against Meunier. And I think you can sort of go through the whole 11 and with the exception of Haaland and maybe one or two players, it it is a bit unfair ultimately for what Bayern can do, especially when you have players like Gnabry on the bench. What I liked about Dortmund in this game is that you couldn't accuse them of not turning up. You couldn't accuse them of not believing in themselves. You couldn't accuse them of not, I think, trying to maximize their potential. And I thought the the fact that they were angry with themselves and angry with the referees, of course, as well, with the referee as well, which we can go into uh, in a bit, would suggest to me that there is progress being made because in recent years, the usual reaction would be one of embarrassment or total resignation. So at least they, they got to the point where they felt a little bit unlucky and a little bit unhappy with themselves that they... Gave the goal, gave the goals away so late. Christoph, do you think this is one of those defeats that Dortmund can actually secretly, secretly be be proud of, almost or happy with? I wouldn't say happy, but but a bit proud. Yes, you rightly mentioned uh, the uh, previous encounters that were ended in embarrassment, frustration, and and so on. And um, this time it wasn't uh, a match of that kind. So, but. You could you could st still see how huge the gap in quality is between the two teams on an individual uh, individual level, and um, and yes, they made most uh, most of, uh, out of it. I mean, uh, they showed up as you said. Uh, they scored two two early two early goals, and um, and uh, in the end, they were overwhelmed. And uh, I think as 
a lot of teams will be overwhelmed in in the future by by this Bayern team because you could see what they are capable of if if they show up because they they didn't in at least the first 15 minutes uh, as they so often did in uh, this season but yes i think they uh, they they went home frustrated in a way because of the late goals because towards the end they probably got the feeling that they uh, get away with the point somehow uh, luckily i mean bayern had 25 shots uh, dortmund had four i mean just to to look at these uh, uh, straight uh, simple numbers so um Yes, it, it it was an okay performance, but um, we will see how much it's worth on uh, on Tuesday against in the second leg and uh, against Sevilla if they go through to the next round. I think that will be a fantastic achievement, and then in weeks to come to narrow the gap to qualify again for for the Champions League. But overall, my I mean, you were criticizing me for for being too cautious about Borussia Dortmund last week. In a way, I'm I'm more optimistic uh, for them after after this week uh, than seven days back. Me too. That's my main takeaway. Um, I wrote about this game in The Athletic and my main line was Dortmund were clearly second best, but that is actually good news before because before that they were maybe fourth or fifth best. Now we can see that Dortmund are, even with Leipzig in the mix, the, the second best team in, in Germany by quite a distance. And we should mention that they did so without Manuel Akanji, Jaden Sancho, Gio Reyna, Axel Witzel. Did I forget anyone? I think those four are the main ones. So, and Rafa Guerrero. So I think we have to give them quite a lot of credit, the, the way that they approached things. Before we move on to Bayern, just one more word on, on Dortmund. Jasmine, do you share mine and Christoph's optimism that we see now the real Dortmund in inverted commas coming back and, and reassert themselves and maybe play the kind of football that that we expect. As you said before, Dortmund are in a, in a unique position where they have some absolute superstar talent up front combining, which is probably not going to last. So if they are to maximize that, it has to really happen, I guess, this season. And it can happen with going pretty deep in the Champions League with winning the German Cup, where it make them favourites just ahead of Leipzig. Will now Dortmund just be what they can be and we ha- don't have to talk about them somehow falling short again or being, you know, there's this weird team that doesn't sometimes turn up, it doesn't have the right mentality. I think it was not the worst week for them, especially in terms of other results. Um, Eintracht Frankfurt... Drew again, Wolfsburg obviously lost. However, uh, they seem to always show up in the big games and they've still got quite a few non-big games that they'll need to play. And there's also the added expectment to, especially with their recent suspensions and injuries, to manage workload across the DFB Pokal, across the Champions League. That's a lot for a quite young, young team. And... Although optimistic that they'll finish in the Europa League, I think Champions League still might be a bit too far for them. With the other teams around them slipping up, I would like to see how consistent everyone else can be. Um, And I just, there's something about Dortmund that just lack that extra edge in the middle of the road teams where they play a low block. 
Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that. But we have to pay a bit of respect to Bayern, I guess, as well. And Christoph, you said they were entertaining, very cruel. They're the cat that plays with the mouse and then just decapitates it right at the end. However, Bayern are not quite the same Bayern we saw last year. They are There is weakness there. There is um, some kind of tactical deficit or or problems that you can mani- that you see man- manifest themselves. There was a very interesting graphic. I don't know if you both saw it, but uh, somebody crunched the numbers, and of all the teams in the top five, Bayern basically had the most situations where their defense is just completely left behind, and there's players running towards Manuel Neuer's goal. The second uh, most breached team with the high line was Liverpool. Now, with Liverpool, we've seen the, the results of that. Bayern have coped a lot better. Is this something that we just have to take because we know this is intrinsic in Flick's game and while they can't do it perfectly, the alternative of changing is still worse and they just have to do it sort of at 80% and hope for the best? Or do they really need to, to show up if they are going to repeat the same performances, especially in the Champions League where there's going to be better teams? Jasmine, what do you think? Oh, I think Champions League, there's a few better structured teams to beat them. They leave that high line a few too many times. It was breached last season by Barcelona, again with the cat fully decapitating the mouse once again in that game too. Um, But a a better organised team can take advantage of that and I don't think they are the strongest in the Champions League anymore. I'm thinking if they meet Man City, for example, I think Pep Guardiola would have their cards marked. Um, In terms of the Bundesliga, it's obviously a bit more tight and I think they can get away with relying on um, playing over other press. Just have that that amount of quality, as we've mentioned, to just take on the other teams in the Bundesliga. But in the Champions Champions League, I'm not convinced. I I agree and I disagree. I I agree on the part of the Bundesliga uh, because I I think this deficit that we've seen, we will see it towards the end of the season and in the end they will win it and uh, run away with the title. And yes, uh, they they, uh, will face severe problems in the Champions League if they meet Man City. Uh, because I think Man City is probably right now the best team in the world. And um, Bayern is probably the second best. So um, if they meet in the next round or if they meet before the final, uh, there's a fair chance that Bayern goes out. I think even with the deficits we've uh, we've been seeing uh, all over the season, uh, they will be able to squeeze through to the uh, final. Uh, I, I would be very optimistic about them because they are also able to concentrate uh, on certain games. So as as we have seen when they were playing at Lazio, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, Lazio is not probably not one of of the best teams in Europe right now, but but they showed up and 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 played them out of their own stadium and, and then went home. And uh, so, so they able to do that, and uh, as well. So, yeah, I get I get goosebumps when you talk about Bayern in this. In this way. <laughs> thank you so much from someone who's so cautious. Usually, cautious, Christoph. Um, thank you. Uh, that that feels nice. Um, I 
want to say one more thing about this game and then we, we really should move on. If you told me before uh, those 90 minutes that one of the key moments of the game would be Leroy Sané muscling Emre Chan off the ball and the referee being very lenient, I wouldn't have believed it. There's a couple of things to unpack here. First of all, Leroy Sané actually thought, I thought had a really good game, one of his best games for Bayern. He really showed up. And the idea that uh, this could have been a foul and that Dortmund were a little bit unlucky and perhaps more seriously, that Bayern tend to get these decisions because of their structural advantage of being such a the, the biggest team. Where do you want to start with this? Jasmine, pick, take your pick. Leroy Sané or the, the refereeing decisions? I always kind of gloss over referee decisions. So Leroy Sané, I think it was kind of a surprise to see him start, especially with Serge Gnabry on the bench. Um, but I think he's starting to get what Hansi Flick's doing with the Bayern team and actually progressing with that. I think there's been times where his attitude especially has been called into question. And again, it, it was one of those games where you can't criticise him or his attitude. I think he's just struggled as of late to fit into another high-pressure team and not always be first choice. In compet being competitive to get your players can be difficult sometimes. And I think the kind of question over Sane's attitude can be a little bit exaggerated. We've seen what he can do. He's not ended up at the top level teams for no reason. Um, so I think, I, I, I don't feel like referees are particularly lenient. I don't think it was a clear and obvious error either. And by the end of the match, I think the Barca team won. And that's kind of a moot point to go over. Uh, Christoph, on the, on the refereeing thing, one, maybe one more thought. It was interesting, I think, to hear both Thomas Müller and I think there was another player basically saying, well, it's good that this isn't a foul. We should allow a bit more. We should perhaps even though it was sort of unsaid, be a bit more like the Premier League. And uh, Manuel Grefe was mentioned for being quite a relaxed, laissez-faire type referee. Marco Fritz tried his best. I think actually that there's a real point here that being a little bit more lenient helped the game and would help the Bundesliga on the whole. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, uh, I think Manuel Grefe especially is, he is the best referee in Germany. And he is the best referee because he is able to find the line between being let the game go, but, but don't let the, the, the game uh, go out of hand. And, and that's difficult. It's, it's really difficult. And you need a lot of experience and you need a lot, need a lot of personality. Because if, you, uh, if you're too lenient uh, and you're not experienced enough, uh, it can be uh, a fight can broke out five minutes later or so. And then you have a, a game that is not a football match anymore, but a fight. And, and so the, the general advice is, is, is good, but, but you, as a referee, you have to know how to handle it. And uh, and I think um, it wasn't a foul, or it, it could have been a foul, but in the context of this match, this particular match, 
um, it was 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 okay to let it go. And and seriously, I mean, they Bayern scored 15 seconds later, uh, so there was no counter attack. So yeah, they yeah they didn't get the ball or they lost the the uh, the ball, Borussia Dortmund, but they had. Uh, plenty of opportunity to to organize themselves against the ball, so uh, that they lost because of this foul. I think is is a complete misinterpretation of of what's what was uh, going on. Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay, so Bayern back on top of fifty five points after that win in the big game against Dortmund. Don't really call it their classica. At least we don't do in Germany, but feel free if you want to. Uh, <laughs> Leipzig, um, they were top of the table for a couple of hours on Saturday. Curtis, you have a 3-0 win away to Freiburg, um, which was pretty impressive, considering that Freiburg tend to make life difficult for absolutely everyone who goes there, especially with the game against Liverpool coming up in the Champions League. Jasmine, how much credit do you give Leipzig, or should I say, how much hope do you have for Leipzig that they can A, somehow reel in Bayern and B, overturn that 2-0 defeat from the first leg against Liverpool? I think the lucky thing for Leipzig, it's, it's an amazing time to play Liverpool right now, uh, especially... That's what they thought last they, time. Yeah, that's what they thought last time. And now here we are with a 2-0 deficit to overturn, which is why I'm not very optimistic for Leipzig. I think their chances within other games compared to this one is just far too big. Everyone expects Bayern to, uh, maybe not expects, we know that we everyone looks at Bayern thinking they could really mess up this time and then never do, which there's a realistic chance of that happening um, once again. Um, but Leipzig are in favourable positions, especially in DFB Pokal. Dortmund obviously have Holstein Kill to play, which won't be easy for them. So there's a realistic chance that Leipzig have DFB Pokal to win. They're only two points off Bayern with not the easiest end of run-ins, but a doable run-in compared to Bayern. And I think although that they will try and really come out against Liverpool... I think Liverpool don't really have to do much to get a draw and knock them out. And I don't think Leipzig will be too unhappy with that, especially with how the first leg went. Leipzig won't be unhappy with being knocked out? Oh, maybe not. They'll be unhappy, but with I think they'll be more realistic over about being knocked out, especially with how the first leg went. I mean, Liverpool, although I use this term kind of brazenly in chaos they are they still won the champions league not so long ago they're domestic champions they know how to close out results despite not domestically they can still do it in the european competition and i think leipzig are better situated in other situations to put their energy elsewhere not saying they won't but i think they will manage their expectation in this game in the champions league game yeah, well, I mean, Christoph, a team that wins 3-0 against Freiburg can win 3-0 against Liverpool in Budapest, no? Yeah, huge disadvantage. Uh, they, they are not allowed to go to Anfield. So. Yeah, that is a disadvantage. <laughs> but, uh, um, 
Yeah, I think it it it, it, it it's uh, the the it's a, a way too long uh, or a mountain too high to climb uh, this uh, this two nil deficit. And uh, Leipzig is a team this season uh, who is the contender for Bayern, and uh, games like that in in Freiburg show it. And we at least we have a uh, a striker for found for for Leipzig because Ale, uh, Alexander Sörlot, who looked so long desperate, he looks now now like that he have settled in the team, feels comfortable, creating goals, scoring goals. So and 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 I think this will help Leipzig a lot because it was a kind of vacant uh, job. Uh, uh, for 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 a long while. Yeah, there was definitely a vacancy. I'm still not sure that he is the solution, but he perhaps is no longer the problem, which uh, is some progress. He, he does look happier. There was a very interesting uh, part of the conversation between Nagelsmann and Klopp. I don't know if you saw that, that the rights holders had before the Champions League game. They were talking to each other and I think it was Nagelsmann who made the point or, or maybe Klopp or certainly both of them that integrating new signings this season has proved really, really difficult because you're not sharing the dressing room. You cannot have any social occasions. You can't even eat together properly. And maybe that was part of the reason why he's looked such a isolated figure at times in this team. Also, I think the uh, re-emergence of Huang is, is actually something we should note because he was not a factor for the first half of the season. Uh, injuries and then a, a pretty bad COVID-19 um, infection kept him out of the side. But he's actually looked really strong, I felt, in the last few games and is another slightly more direct player that they have up front who makes a bit of a difference from all the little false nines and, and uh, sort of attacking midfielders that that play through the middle so yeah i think leipzig will give it a go whether it's enough against liverpool i'm also not sure but i think in the league bayern are still not uh, not home and dry just yet because leipzig bayern is coming up in in a couple of weeks time jasmine as you said wolfsburg and frankfurt who are dortmund's rivals for that uh, third and fourth spot both slipped up uh, Wolfsburg with a 2-1 defeat against Hoffenheim and very presciently, of course, Christoph Biermann was telling us all last <laughs> week to watch watch out for Hoffe because here they come and uh, they've done something quite remarkable because not many teams tend to beat Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga this season. They've done it. Um, I don't know how much you saw uh, of that game. Jasmine, you're nodding. I'll come to you then. What, what did Hoffenheim do so well? Or was it a case of Wolfsburg just not being quite at the similar levels? I think Wolfsburg have kind of struggled as of late. They had a very tough midweek game against RB Leipzig in the DFB Pokal, which they went out of um, 2-0. And I think a lot of that match took them, just made them a little bit more unlucky. They looked a little bit sloppy up front. There was a fantastic chance for Valt Weghorst, who's done so well yet again this season to be Wolfsburg's main man. 
um, missed a very good chance for them in the start of the second uh, half. And that would have at least got them level. Who knows if they scored at that point, if it would still play out as a draw or win loss, but it would have put them in a very better position than what actually happened. If you look at chances created and XG, Wolfsburg were a little bit unlucky on that as well, mainly because of that Weghorst chance. They still held Hoffenheim to 0.99 XG and, you know, they've had six clean sheets in the Bundesliga, seven before that match. So I think it's not anything to really worry about. Hunus is a good manager. Hoffenheim do have a good all-rounded team. Um, they have surprised with results in the past, so it, it wasn't a complete surprise. Um, I think it was just the toll and workload for another team um, for Wolfsburg. And however, it's just a little bit harder for them for that um, Octavia red card. It's an uh, amazing It's a wonderful challenge. It's, it's absolutely awful. Um, not sure what was going on in his head. Um, but luckily for Wolfsburg's fans, um, the next three games are a lot easier than Eintracht Frankfurt's. Um, so they should get back on track. As a Falford Bochum fan, Christoph, this is the sort of tackle that you can get can get behind, yeah? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, old school. So, so the, the, the uh, pe- people who are a bit older uh, can remember that fouls like that were, I mean, you could see it several times over a weekend in the 70s. Yeah, maybe a yellow card, maybe. Yeah, yeah but, but, but because the referee was so uh, such a weak figure. So no, um, uh, we, the, the, I don't know what the uh, English equivalent for murder foul is. Uh, <laughs> I think we understand. <laughs> I think we understand what I mean. Uh, so uh, yeah, it, it, it was nice to see it again, like, like coming back from the past. And, uh, but it was only nice to see because uh, um, nobody was injured. So, so because easily with this kind of tacklings, you can end careers uh, if, if it goes wrong. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We don't, we, the <laughs> Stalkers does not condone <laughs> this kind of tackle. Uh, so don't try that at home, kids. Two more games I think we have to mention. Uh, briefly, perhaps the first one, Stuttgart uh, getting a draw against Frankfurt. Another great result for Stuttgart, who are doing so well in ninth, day, in ninth position. Perhaps even unlucky not to be involved in the uh, Europa League fight because they've been, been really performing, I think, well and above expectations, at least from, from neutrals' uh, point of view. Uh, I mention them because we were very lucky to uh, get an interview with Sven Misingtat, the sporting director, which will be out later this week. He very kindly gave me two hours of his time for reasons that I don't want to go into at this point. Um, but uh, yeah, he talks a lot about Stuttgart's renaissance from Bundesliga 2 all the way to a very, very decent team with very interesting players and a very interesting manager in Pellegrino Matarazzo. So go and check that out when it's out. But I think we have to go on a bit of a down note. And that down note is, of course... Borussia Mönchengladbach's rapid descent. Another game that didn't go according to plan. This was the big crisis shootout between uh, Marco Rosas Gladbach and Bayer Leverkusen's 
Peter Bosch. Leverkusen edged it 1-0. Um, Gladbach maybe a little bit unlucky just as they were in the cup game against Dortmund where they did sort of okay but something isn't quite there. Jasmine, for a team that played so well last year and that started so well in the Champions League and we saw the best of Gladbach in the Champions League this year, is it possible to explain their regression by way of looking at you know looking at it in a in a technical way, or do you think this has to do with with the intangibles, with with a team perhaps no longer being quite as happy with the situation about Marco Rose and all these things? Where where can we find you know a way to to explain what's happened to them with the covid suspension last year i think it gave everyone actually even before the covid suspension i would say gladbach were better before the covid suspension and then kind of got hammered in the um when they came back to playing bundesliga because they only really ended up in the champions league places because everyone else started to mess up around them and um, they weren't extremely good towards the end of last season compared to where they were beforehand so it kind of suggests a slight overperformance on their bit and then what you've had this season is just people slightly finding out their tactics the kind of counter-attack high intensity runs that you normally get from their front players from uh, Neuhaus from Stindl from Turam player that's kind of been found out. Player and Turam only have three and four goals, seven goals between them compared to, I think it was 20 last season. They're relying on a 32-year-old Lars Stindl to make these high-pressure runs into the box. He's got he's their biggest, their top goal scorer. Um, you can't rely on someone that often. Um, he still fits the fiddle and quick as one, but he it's only so much he can do. Um, so you can see kind of peak players dropping as well as the massive elephant in the room. It's no real surprise that their statistics have started to decrease, especially in terms of XG and then their XGA expected goals allowed have gone up since the kind of cloud over them about Rosa going to Dortmund. It's been a really weird way the club has handled the whole news breaking out there's reports of players not exactly revolting against rosa but not exactly taking what he says um i think at the moment they're all playing for themselves rather than him or, or the club there was reports of zacharia not really getting along with rosa not extending his contract before the dortmund news and right now it it's just everyone looking to see will Ibel sack him or suspend him until the end of the season and bring up their um Munchen Gladbach 2 coach up because right now they're haven't won in six games in the Bundesliga seven in all competitions and all their stats suggest that they are where they should be right now. Christoph how how do you explain this mess and how can they get out of it before the season's over? 
Um, if at all. I, I think um, uh, um, what Jasmine said, it, um, uh, if you take it from there that the, the numbers are declining uh, in, in recent weeks, um, I think one, one, one of the reasons, when you look at the reasons, you have to look a bit back uh, at the first half of the season or when they, when they had this extra load coming from the Champions League, a happy load, because, um, I mean, it, it was their aim to go. They they, they uh, survived a, a very difficult group and, uh, and so on. But on their way, they lost a lot of points. And um, also this, uh, this, part, uh, this year, they lost at home uh, against Cologne. They lost at home against Mainz. They lost at home against Hoffenheim. These were crucial matches that took them in a situation right now where they are, they have important games like Leverkusen or Dortmund, and and they are a bit less uh, able to play their game than they were before. But there is this huge black cloud of. Uh, of of the whole Rosa story about the club, I think it's not so much within the team. Uh, I, I think uh, mo most of the of the players still um, they 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 were fascinated for a long time by by their manager, and I think they still think he is a very good coach. But the overall atmosphere around Borussia Mönchengladbach is uh, is very special so in in all the years i've been following them i can't remember such a negative atmosphere towards one person there have been open letters there have been banners i mean and and i don't talk about this uh, social media outrage so 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 people actually sit down uh, bring up a lot of arguments against Marco Rose. So um, if, if you would see him as a politician, uh, you would say he has completely lost his voters. So uh, I think not everybody at Borussia Mönchengladbach, not every Borussia Mönchengladbach fan is against him. But it's really almost fascinating looking from outside how, how, how much negative energy is, is, is coming uh, from that. And uh, you were asking for a solution. Uh, I don't. I don't have it, but um, I wouldn't surprised if if things go, especially when they um, maybe next week have a a bad defeat, not not against such a a strong team. That in the end, uh, Max Eber um, doesn't have a chance, and and he has to to uh, sack Marco Rose and his team. Well, they're in action uh, on Friday again against Augsburg. Yeah, a, a so so that's a, a, a I mean to say uh, Augsburg against Borussia Mönchengladbach is a crucial <laughs> game it's, it's but it is. It okay. Is. Well, we'll see we'll see what happens. Thank you very much uh, Christoph and Jasmine. Thank you dear listener. Um for those of you who perhaps uh, saw us on um, Zoom today, you would have seen the magnificent wall of books behind Christoph Biermann. And I cannot help myself, but have to ask him, Christoph, how many of those books didn't you yourself write? <laughs> Most of them. But some of them uh, back there are written by you. <laughs> yeah, well, I think the majority are yours. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you and hear you, or you us rather, next week again. Bye-bye. The Athletic.